Hello and welcome to the Elite is Earned podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Hemingway. Today we have a very special guest, the head coach from UCLA, Corey Close. She has been the head coach in UCLA since 2011, currently has her team ranked in the top 25. Last year, Bruins went to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 1999. Coach Close, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's a joy to be with you all. Right. We were talking a little bit in our pre-production meeting about uh, the weather here in Atlanta. Last time I was on the podcast, we had a little bit of snow, but now it's up to 70. What's the weather like out there in L.A.? Well, high's going to be 65 today, so I don't really like to admit it that uh, Atlanta's got us beat today, but just today. <laughs> I would say the average uh, L.A.'s weather is, is typically better than what we have here in the southeast. Uh, but it is, but you also pay for probably. that. Yes, it is. I, I would say it is better, but unfortunately, you pay a high price for that glorious weather. Yeah, yeah, that that is true. Well, Coach, um, big game tonight. You've got Oregon State ranked tenth in the country. It's a home game. Uh, you're you're presently two and two in the conference. Uh, big game tonight. What what do you feel are some of the keys uh, for your team? Well, you know, first of all, credit to Oregon State. I mean, for what they lost last year in their, um, you know, final four run, uh, I think after two weeks, I think they're the only undefeated team in the conference. And, uh, you know, that's, it's, that's, of course, a testament to our conference, but really a testament to what Scott's done with his program and, and putting new pieces into his system. So it, we're going to have our work cut out for us. But um, I like our team, and we have a lot of pride in protecting our home court. And so it's going to be really important that we play to our strengths. You know, they, Sidney Weiss wants to really be able to control uh, the game and to be able to control where they get shots. And, and he, he almost calls it like a baseball coach calling pitches from the sidelines, Scott does. And so he's going to want it to be a very pretty, <clears throat> methodical, execution-oriented game. And, and uh, if he's able to do that really plays to his favor. What we need to do is to make it a possessions game, to create more possessions, to make it be an up-and-down game, run in transition, uh, to really get, you know, all the hustle plays. We, we have to win those. And, you know, that sounds like cliche, but if you don't do those things against Oregon State, you just don't give yourself a chance. So um, because they are, <clears throat> excuse me, so execution-oriented, um, it's going to be really important that we win the turnover margin, the rebound uh, margin, uh, and, and that we play at a pace that favors our transition game. Interesting. It really sounds like a, a clash of styles, if you will. You know, one team more of a half court, and it appears your team is a little bit more, like you say, transition-oriented. Um, not not to, to give anything away, but uh, are there things that you can do to speed them up, whether that be in the full quarter or in the half court? Yeah, you know, we're not as deep as I sort of thought we were going to be going into this year, so we haven't been able to press – uh, as consistently and as aggressively as I thought we were going to be able to, uh, you know, coming into this season. But I still think we can mix things up a lot. We can, you know, sometimes trap ball screens. Sometimes we can, you know, uh, switch up from man and zone. We can, you know, I think dis disrupting rhythm is going to be a little bit how we do that. And then it's really just controlling the defensive glass, getting a hand up on their shooters, uh, getting those long rebounds because they do shoot the three so much and, uh, and, and really letting that fuel our break. It's going to be really about forcing one hard shot and disrupting rhythm. It's probably not going to be in the traditional way that I thought we were going to be able to do it this year, which is, you know, full court press on every made basket and, and really, you know, try to speed them up. <clears throat> I don't think that's going to be to our favor. I don't think we have the depth to do that at the level we need to, uh, you know, this year. Makes sense. You know, 
one thing that you always hear in the preseason, every coach wants to run and press and mm-hmm. everything else. By, by the time it gets to be conference time and injuries set in, and like you say, the depth maybe is not there, you have to find other ways to, to create that tempo. Very, very interesting. Good insight there, Coach. You well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the strength of the, the Pac-12. You know, currently six teams are ranked in the, you know, the, uh, the top 25 nationally. You know, you mentioned Oregon State going to the Final Four. University of Washington was in there last year as, as well, too. So this is, this is truly a, a strong conference. And uh, I believe I read, you know, somewhere that uh, last year's, uh, you know, Pac-12 had the number one RPI overall. You know, yep. so the argument can be made that this is the toughest conference in the nation. Am I right? You are right, and actually it's, it's uh, the number one overall RPI conference right now as well. So it's, uh, you know, it, it really has established itself as, you know, a premier conference in the Power Five. I, you know, obviously the ACC has some really good teams, uh, and SEC, Big Ten, all of that. Um, but I think what makes the, the Pac-12 the number one RPI conference for the second year in a row is its strength from top to bottom. Like, like I referred to you know, earlier, after week two, you only have one undefeated team. I mean, that's just right. unbelievable. Um, you have you know, Arizona, who's got a you know, new coaching staff, and they're you know, get a win on the road versus Utah, but then Utah was undefeated going into conference play. I mean, there's just so much in the whole depth of the conference that is uh, absolutely excellent. Washington coming off that Final Four year, uh, they're better this year than they were last year. Um, they've got some pieces back from injury, but then they've added Romeo as a transfer from Nebraska, and obviously what Kelsey Plum has done and Chantel Osaher speak for themselves. But, you know, Sidney Weiss, the leading three-point shooter in Pac-12 history, I mean, you know, you just go down the list. And, uh, but people are, you know, Pac-12 Networks deserves a lot of credit for that because, you know, it used to be, you know, when I first came into the conference, we were losing all of our best talent to go back east. And now mm-hmm. we're really keeping right. kids home because of the exposure of the Pac-12 Networks. And, you know, there's almost 110 live uh, linear TV games that are shown that's better than any other conference. And so I, I really think that's been a huge piece, that not only can they play in front of their families geographically, but also on TV. And, and you know, all, a lot of it all goes back to recruiting, and there's just some really, really great coaches in this conference that are making me better every night, and uh, hopefully I'm making them better too. For sure. We had Coach Mike Neighbors at Washington on the podcast um, earlier this week, and what really struck me, and, and, and you were kind of echoing the same theme, is, is really the respect that all the coaches have for one another in that conference. And, and you know, obviously he mentioned the Pac-12 network as well, too. And he also mentioned being able to keep, you know, some of the talent on the West Coast, you know, back at home, you know, just top to bottom. Um, you know, I, I kind of like watching West Coast basketball, you know, whether it's the NBA or even men's college basketball, your, your men's team is uh, right. having a, a fantastic year. And, you know, of course, with Lonzo Ball, you know, being such a sensation that he is, it just seems to be, you know, more free-flowing, a lot of, a lot of fun, some offense, you know, even some up-tempo mm-hmm. play. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, it's re- it is really fun. I mean, you know, I think it started with the Spurs, honestly, in the NBA, bringing some of the best basketball in the West, back West, and then you know, Oklahoma City got better, and Dallas got better, and now the Golden State Warriors got, you know, are, are really ob- obviously rolling, and and that, it was sort of a style thing, you know, and and obviously that trickles down to the men's college game, to the women's college game, and and kids, you know, that's what they're growing up watching. And it's getting a lot of great attention. And I love it because, to be honest with you, if you would have asked me, you know, 15 years ago if I would want kids to watch the NBA and dream about playing, I would have said no. It's just isolation basketball. The ball sticks all the time. It's just beat each other up. It's a wrestling match. I would say absolutely not. Don't watch it until the – finals you know but i honestly right. don't feel that anymore um you know i think when it, you have an 80 some game schedule i think it's harder to uh, have the intensity on both ends of the floor over a sustained period of time but um you know the ball movement uh the versatility the the increase in sort of small ball so there's you know ways to with lots of different kinds of ways to win and um you know i, I really now uh, i think there's a lot to learn from it in fact you know i've just made clips for um, Jordan Canada um, recently about Chris Paul and uh, and you, how he's using the pick and roll and what he's doing and so um, posting up guards we, that's a, a way that we've really tried to get higher percentage shots we don't shoot the three like a Washington does or like an Oregon State does but we have great length and we can get high percentage shots in very different ways and so I've been going to the NBA and go how are they posting up some of their uh, guards and, and the versatility that they're using and so just West Western region basketball in general. I think has sort of fed each other from everything from the NBA to men's college to women's college. And it's a really fun time to be a part of that. No doubt. Let's, let's switch our conversation here just slightly. Talk about okay. recruiting. And in 2014, um, com, uh, you brought in the number one recruiting class in the country. And you were able to get some of those kids on the West Coast to stay home, most notably Jordan Canada and Monique Billings. Uh, stay at home, be a, be a Bruin, such a talented class. And, and I think now, you know, both of those kids are averaging 17 points a game, you know, on a nightly basis. Uh, what has been the best part of, of coaching that group? Well, I think what I appreciate most is, I think, two things. One is their willingness to believe in a vision, number one, that was bigger than themselves individually, but number two, that hadn't taken place yet. You know, it took a lot of faith to say, okay, I I really – First of all, I have a different kind of vision, and I run my program differently than a lot of coaches do. And so for their courage to say, yeah, I I believe in this, and um, I believe it's more than just what happens in between the lines, and I want to be a part of that, when it hadn't even taken – hadn't bore any fruit from the basketball and wins and losses perspective. So for a 17-year-old kid to have that kind of courage – I'm just really thankful to them for that. And I think that will be a legacy. Um, Their courage and faith and belief in our dream and our vision will be a legacy that they pass down that we'll be talking about for years to come. But secondly is just to give, number one, the kids credit. They have committed to adding to their toolbox, putting in the extra time, coming early, staying late, watching extra film. So the number one part of the credit goes to them. The number two credit goes to uh, my assistant coaches and my video coordinator. We also have a development consultant that's been really instrumental. And I love the way that they have really poured into the individual development and the unique game of each individual player. And that's not just in that class, but it's obviously been fun to watch their progressions. 
and you know it's uh, we're gonna we're not gonna play drummer this year, but she was the other one, and and even watching her, yeah. her jump shot and her left right. hand and all of those things, and she'll be able to put those on display mm-hmm. next year if she, um, as she sits out this year. But I think that um, you know they it's been really fun to watch that development take place. I had a WNBA coach that was at our practice a few weeks back, and. They walked in and they came in early, and you know every single player in our program was out there, not just shooting around, but intentionally working on their game. And right. they all have individualized sheets that, that with a menu of things that we think, you know, you, how do they emphasize their strengths, but how do they also work on their weaknesses? And um, and, and the, the WNBA coach said, you know, this is there's no secrets here. This is why your, your program is moving forward. Is look at the commitment and the intentionality and skill development. So I think that's been really fun for me to watch. Um, I'm really passionate about that. But one of the changes in my role from being an assistant coach for 18 years to a head coach is I don't get to do that one-on-one as much. I still try to keep it as an integral part of my days but I don't get to do it as much as I did as an assistant so I'm really proud of my staff as well as of the players choices um, that they've really committed on that level and Monique Billings I, I really believe has there's no one in the country in the forward spot that has built their game in my opinion so dramatically year by year and Jordan Canada obviously is doing a great job and Kelly Hayes but um, you know it's been really fun to watch that take place. I can remember watching Billings the summer before her senior year in high school. And clearly, you know, she was a talented kid, you know, great athlete, very good rebounder. But now to the point where she's a, she's a focal point of your offense, you know, a kid mm-hmm. that you rely upon double figures wise. I don't think that you would necessarily could have said that, uh, you know, what, what would have that have been four years ago, three years ago? Right. No. And she wasn't, she wasn't a McDonald's all American, you know, she, yeah. She really was not very – She, I think everyone um, really acknowledged her potential, and she was sort of a springy mm-hmm. uh, athlete, but she really hadn't there proved herself as a consistent basketball player. And so right. she's not only taught her skills, she's really taught her IQ and really st- has studied the game. And, you know, she already has an appointment with Coach Shannon today. Um, before shoot around to study some last minute film and um, you know that's a commitment that she's made and and she's uh, you know there's just no shortcuts in it you know she's been willing to pay the price and I think it's under 10 percent of uh, McDonald's All-Americans become college All-Americans and I think Mm. people like Billings are the reason that's the case because some of those other ones rest on their laurels and people like Monique Billings are willing to put in the work and they pass them up. Fantastic point you know one of the things that when I look at a college program whether it be men's or women's i kind of break it down into you know three broad general areas and you know one is recruiting you know mm-hmm. clearly you're not going to make a final four you're not going to have a 20 win mm-hmm. season if you don't recruit well clearly right. you know you guys have have done that well the second thing and you just spent you know the past several minutes talking about it, which which is development you know you can mm-hmm. bring whether they're four star or five star athletes in but if you don't develop them, there are going to be other people, you know, that, that pass them by. Um, and, and clearly you guys are doing that. And I, I can even, I've spent, I've spent some time on, on the, you know, your website in years past, you know, with the videos, the teaching videos, uh, fantastic stuff. I don't know if you still have that stuff up or, or not. Do you? We do. Yeah, we sure do. We take a lot of pride right. in it. Yeah. What's the website? Uh, what's the address on that just for our listeners? Yeah. It's a www.uclawbb.com. So uclawbb.com. Yes, make sure you check that out. Uh, coaches, 
uh, players alike. There, there's some really um, valuable uh, teaching lessons there. And then, of course, the third area, you know, which is, you know, a, another area that you mentioned, uh, which is, you know, putting kids in the right spots. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the X's and O's, um, you know, whether that be philosophy, we talked mm-hmm. about it earlier, whether that mm-hmm. be transition and, and so forth. Um, what what do you think of my assessment? Am, am I missing an area, you know, recruiting, development, X's and O's? I would agree with all of them. I would add two to that, <clears throat> but actually I would agree completely in the top three um, and playing to your strengths and the X's and O's and finding a system that not only fits the players that you have, but also the coach that you are. And, you know, I, I think that's one thing John Wooden, you know, talk, taught me is I would ask him all the time, what would you do? What would you do, coach? And he would say, um, you need to coach within your personality. You're not me, you know. And there's principles that I think we can learn from each other, but I think you've got you to gotta be willing to adjust to your players and really being able to put, have, be confident that you can move your system around. Don't be stubborn about it to fit their strengths. And then it's also a matter of, you know, what are you confident in teaching? And I think you've got to be a good teacher. Just like there's lots of different ways you can win in basketball, styles of play. You've got to be really good that you're a really good teacher at whatever you're committed to. And, but I would add the two other things would be fan base and, and branding, um, really being able to connect with your community and uh, be able to get people excited about uh, women's basketball. That's a really important piece in growing our game, especially because we don't have the sellouts of uh, major season ticket holders in terms of big revenues and those kinds of things. So I think that's got to be a very intentional thing that you work on all the time. And then the last thing is just your organizational culture. You know, what's your mission of the program? What are you really trying to accomplish? Is it just really about 21 seasons? Is that it? You know, how do you, che- sure. how do you treat your staff? How do you, um, you know, how do you foster that group of people? How do you help them think they're growing professionally as well as your players as young women? Um, and I, I, I really am a big believer that um, great teams can be built without that, but great programs cannot. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. something that we've really committed to, that we don't want to just be a great team. We want to be a great program that creates transformational experiences for these young women fantastic uh insight there coach and and and, t- and take a moment to, uh, to talk about the culture of ucla women's basketball because i tell you whether whether i'm talking to to shannon you know mm-hmm. your assistant or even other people you know close to the program one of the words uh, that is used so consistently is culture and there is this positivity that really radiates you know from that so Take a moment and talk more about the culture uh, of your program. Well, number one, I think culture is always a work in progress. It's not, uh, it's never something you arrive at, right? And I think it's just like any right. family. You know, I don't, maybe, maybe you have the first perfect family, but, you know, we don't. And, <laughs> and so and my, my personal family isn't perfect and neither is my, my basketball family. But right. I think it's something that you work on. And, uh, you know, John Gordon, who's been a real influential uh, author and friend of mine, he always says if you want to bear the fruit, you've got to nurture the root. And uh, we want to bear the fruit not only in Final Fours and national championships, but um, more importantly, the fruit of, you know, really affecting people's lives and, and equipping them for life beyond UCLA. And, and our mission is uh, to be an elite basketball program that teaches, mentors, and equips young uh, women for life after UCLA. And it really comes from a conversation I've had. I've told this story several times, but I, it really is the springboard of how our culture started. Was It was my fourth day on the job, and I'd met a lot of Coach Wooden's alumni 
through the years, but I had not met this one. And he runs an, uh, an incredible organization called Dribble for the Cure that raises uh, significant dollars for pediatric cancer research. And so I was having a meeting with him, and, and I didn't have a staff yet. I was overwhelmed. I just, my head was spinning. And he sits down right across from me, and he, and he says, Corey, I'm the man I am because of Coach Wooden. I've been married 38 years because of what Coach Wooden taught me. I've started three successful businesses because of what Coach Wooden taught me. And then he goes on to say, I've conquered cancer three times because of the strength Coach Wooden gave me. And then he really got me. I survived the death of my 12-year-old daughter because of the way Coach Wooden loved me. And by then I have tears in my eyes. And he pretty much walks out and he says, it's not about now. It's about having people feel this way when they're done at UCLA. And I was just, you know, my mouth has dropped open. I got tears in my eyes and I go and research who is this guy who is this alum and he didn't even mention he didn't even mention that he was a starting guard on two of coach Wooden's national championship teams and that he played eight years in the W in the NBA because it paled in comparison to the man he became and so for me um, it it doesn't lessen our competitive drive it just means that it can't end in four years I actually think it makes us a better basketball team Um, when you have people that really care about each other that are that feel like they're growing as people and not just as basketball players that uh, you're invested in their future beyond as Lajne Drummer says when the ball goes flat um, then Mm -hmm. I think they actually battle harder not only for their coaches but also for each other and so our culture is really based on a phrase called I am woman and I think I ask parents all the time tell me about your daughter not as a student and not as a player and they'll say you know she's courageous she loves kids um, she's passionate about fashion or you know whatever it is and I they just go on and I was like you know think about how many things you just said about your daughter and you run her to go to a place that doesn't value all those layers all those facets all those angles of your daughter and and that's really what we think is that they are so much more than basketball players and when you invest than the total woman, you actually also end up with a better basketball player. Fantastic. I, I think the word that sometimes overused, but I, maybe it's not used enough, but it is character. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that I, I try to impress upon the kids that, that come to my camps, you mm-hmm. know, around the country is that, you know, basketball is such a short portion, you know, of your life. And mm-hmm. like you say, when the ball quits bouncing, you know, mm-hmm. what is it that, that you're going to be? And, you know, the winds are hollow, you know, if you have to sacrifice mm-hmm. everything, you know, about yourself to, to become that. So um, really, really great insight there, Coach. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I, I just think about even if we're on the stage of the Final Four and the next morning when those players wake up, how do I want them to feel? And, you know, it's going to be fun. Winning championships is fun no matter what, you know. But do I yeah. want it to be fun or do I want it to be meaningful? And, uh, you know, and what I, do I want it to be a springboard into other things? And so I just always think about those things. You know, what do I want parents to say about their kids' development? What do I want them to feel when they're standing on that stage? What do I want? And then I just sort of work backwards from there, doing the best I can. And I fail often. I'm, I'm still a real work in progress. And uh, I think I just need to be committed to have great humility, admit when I'm wrong, and continue to grow. Let's talk a moment about your staff. You've You've talked about uh, them just just in passing, you know, already. But I know how much they mean to you, Shannon, Jenny, and Tony. They've been with you since the beginning, 2011 at UCLA, and a very unique situation in in the fact that uh, they they, you know, you haven't had any staff turnover, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, what are the advantages of, of having such continuity? 
Well, I think we, we know each other. Um, we know how to serve each other. We know how to lighten each other's loads. We know how to challenge each other. Um, and so I think it's just there's a, there's not only a comfort zone, but there's a willingness to help each other be our best. And uh, I'm really thankful for that. I mean, they, Tony's had two opportunities to be a head coach. Um, Shannon's had an opportunity here. I think Coach Jenny is probably going to be the next one. Um, you know, and, and thankfully they've really chosen to stay. But I'll support them 100% if they want to go and do that and have their own program. But I think what it really comes down to is, um, you know, I think they – this is bigger than all any of us, right? So our mission is bigger than me. It's bigger than any of them individually. And, and I think that's what keeps us together is that we don't want to be a part about something – be a part of something that's just about us. We want to be a part of something that's bigger and uh, that has more lasting value. And so we – I think we're all really committed to that, and that's what brought us all together. It's what brought Coach Shannon. She'd already been to a Final Four at Duke and didn't think she was going to coach anymore. And, um, and, you know, I think that's really what it's been. It's been the mission. I don't think it's been any of us individually as spectacular as all three of them are. Um, but I think it's, you know, we really, I think we believe in what we're doing and we think it's meaningful. We think it serves a purpose and, uh, and we really like our opportunities here at UCLA. For me, outside looking in, everything that you said about culture and, you know, it being bigger about basketball, I think the fact that, that you've had three assistants that have stuck with you Maybe that's not the right phrase stuck with you, but have been with you all of this time. Really, um, it, it certifies everything that you've said because a lot of people can t- say the very things that that you're saying. But you know, the the very chance, the very opportunity, uh, the moment that an assistant can can run off and leave somewhere else, um, sometimes they do. So the fact that uh, they have all bought in really speaks, you know, to the mm-hmm. truth of what you're saying. Well, I appreciate that, and it, and it speaks – I always say it speaks to their commitment. I hope we have a culture, and I hope I lead them in a way that they feel loved and invested in and appreciated, but, um, you know, they are really spectacular people. And I tell you, in our staff meetings, I am for sure not the smartest person in the room. The only thing that makes me the smartest person is I hired people smarter than me. So they really are spectacular, and, uh, and they deserve tons of credit. You know, head coaches um, – we do, we get way too much credit, you know, and, and I think the reality is there's so many people, not just assistant coaches, you know, your director of operations, your program assistants, your marketing directors, your SIDs, your academic advisors, your trainers, your strength coach, and I just really think it's important that people, they're trying to build programs that we, you don't just think about your coaches, you think about all the people that are pouring into those people and that need to be an extension of your vision, and if all those other people aren't bought in, you don't have a healthy culture, and, uh, and I think it really affects the development of the kids so I'm really thankful and very humbled um, that our our staff our collective staff has been so committed uh, to making a difference in the lives of these young ladies well coach our time is winding down here we know that your time is precious especially on a game day you bet one thing that I like to do at the at the end of every every podcast is a tribute to Dean Smith the UNC Tar Heels four corners run out the clock but uh on this podcast we don't we don't run four corners to run out the clock we we run at the score so hey let's do it let's score let's do it four four quick questions right here uh tell me what you got first one you've mentioned um coach wooden a little bit uh already but um how how is his presence still felt on campus even today oh you you can't 
you can't go anywhere without seeing his influence. I mean, you work. I walked into the biology department, and there's this big pyramid of success in there, and it's talking about you know being a consummate learner. And you know, it's just it's not it's not just in the athletic department that is obviously the most successful athletic department in college history with 113 national championships. Um, but wow. his influence into just the educational process and how to use sports and the pyramid of success to be a blueprint for life. Uh, his influence is just so amazing. I mean, we walk in a door to Poly Pavilion uh, every morning for our practices, and there's a big statue of John Wooden there. And, uh, you know, it just reminds me. But uh, his presence is so felt. I mean, Jim and Nan, his two kids, still come to games um, and still support us in what we're doing. Uh, I got a, a really wonderful privilege to be a part of the John R. Leadership Global Leadership Awards done by the Anderson School of Business uh, this year and to speak about my relationship with him along with Swen Nader. But what they do to honor him through the business school is it's just really remarkable his impact um on things other than sports it's just been uh it's really a humbling experience to be a part of and uh, it's like i have a walking tape recorder of him all the time i mean his den where i spent mm-hmm. the primary amount of my time with him when i would go to his house to visit him is now reconfigured in our hall of fame and it's just like wow i mean you know this guy just influenced me so much and uh he influenced everybody on the UC campus such a humble guy too from all the stories mm-hmm. that i've heard still sweat practice or sweat the yep. the court before practice um you know a, a guy like that of his stature uh truly no ego um no no ego at question. all it's always about others go ahead yes yes second question uh one of the unique things that you do on the recruiting trail uh in years past were to pass out cds uh, to, to uplift people while they're on the road. You, I was fortunate enough last year to get one of those CDs. But this Fine. year, we're kind of transitioning out of CDs. What, what's it going to be this year? <laughs> well, it's called Songs for Rental Cars, you know, because college coaches are in rental cars uh, all the time. But I have to first give credit to Sue Simrow started this way back when, when it was a mixtape, believe it or not. And I, it was press okay. pause play, and I think we made about ten of them. And then it grew and grew and grew, and uh, she passed it on to me actually when she became a head coach at Florida State. And then really Shannon does the bulk of it now for us. But we, I think we gave out almost 400 last year. And uh, it's really just to encourage people. There's no strings attached. Uh, you know, people yeah. come up to me I don't even know. And it's just, just purely to encourage people in all their rental car and travels through the month of July. But um, I think CD, most of those rental cars don't have CD players anymore. So we're trying That's to make right. a transition into uh, how do we make a playlist or how do we do that and get it out to that volume of people. So the exact form is still under consideration. But I can tell you uh, we will not stop doing it. And uh, I would be letting Coach Sue Semrau down if I did stop. And uh, we're going to continue to encourage people as long as we can. Well, the Elite is Earned podcast is stored on SoundCloud, so perhaps our listeners perhaps. Who, who listen you know, to the podcast on SoundCloud can make the easy transition for the, the songs for rental cars this summer. So, Okay, we'll work on um, that. We'll work on that. They, yes, ma'am. If, if I were, third question, if I were to visit Los Angeles, what is the one place I need to eat? Absolutely. Uh... Um, the Hinoki Grill uh, in Century City, right on the avenues of the Avenue of the Stars. Spectacular food, great diversity, amazing service, LA vibe. Uh, Hinoki, actually, it's called Hinoki and the Bird, and uh, it's just a really spectacular restaurant. Got it. I got it written down. The next time I'm in LA, I'm definitely not only going to 
come visit uh, visit you, but we'll eat there for sure. Done. And fourth and final question. Uh, what book are you reading right now? Well, I just, I, I finished, I read it twice, is because it's our theme this year, is the book Grit uh, by Angela Duckworth. And I know it's been a popular group, a popular, popular book, but it's been really influential. We're teaching on it all throughout the year, once a month. Uh, one of my staff members, uh, Debbie Halliday, has been uh, doing some work with that, with our program. And so um, the book Grit is just really talking about the number one indicator of success uh, for kids is grit. And she, Angela, she goes through and talks about now this time how to teach it and how to really foster that spirit of grit and what a better tool to to pass to on to our players is to live a life of grit and passion and perseverance even when your circumstances uh do not um lend itself to those kind of choices so um i'm i just finished grit and um, i need to find my next my next book here quickly got it coach thank you again for being on the podcast this has been truly uh, an enjoyable uh, moment for me. I, I feel like I could talk to you another half hour, uh, if, if not more, about basketball mm. program, Coach Wooden. So, again, thank you for, for joining us. No, thank you for having me. I, I love what y'all do. I love the way I remember when you guys first started. And what I appreciate about y'all is that um, you've, you've treated me the same no matter what the title or treated the kids the same no matter if you've grown your organization so much or not. And so thanks for being a person that stayed the same even in the, a really successful growth process. So it's my joy. Thank you, Coach. We appreciate it. Good luck tonight. Thank you. And for all of you, for all of you listening on this podcast, make sure that you subscribe to listen to the Elite is Earned podcast for future podcasts. Coming up in the future, we will have TCU, Kansas, and others uh, joining the Elite is Earned podcast. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Hemingway, and have a blessed day.